Well, I have to admit, I'm really sorry to all my Welsh-speaking listeners out there. In particular, David Llewellyn-Jones, who emailed in to point out my mistake in the previous episode. In my excitement of remembering the Welsh name for Snowden, I forgot the Welsh name for Snowden. And in the previous episode, I used the word Rydgwig, which is the Welsh name for Mould, my hometown. Instead of using the name Rydva, which is very similar, but not the same thing at all, uh, which is the mountain name for Snowden. So I am so, so very sorry. And I knew that I knew the minute I published the episode, I heard it and it's, oh, that's a mistake. And I thought to myself, I'll very quickly, I'll do the edit, but I never quite got to it. And I just knew someone out there with sharp ears and the Welsh mother tongue would email me in. Sure enough, first email in, David Llewellyn-Jones, a brilliant, I mean, and I mean a brilliant uh, dog photographer, email me in. So uh, apologies to all and thank you to Dave. I'm Paul and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm stood here in my workshop. <laughs> now, I built the workshop. I can't remember. I think I mentioned it on a podcast. I built a workshop. It's a glorified shed, but I don't like to call it a shed. It's much more of a workshop. Uh, it's built to some fairly solid building specs. So I got the span tables out and structural dimensions and uh, all sorts of things to make this work. And what I did not expect, but is a happy coincidence, is it sounds great in here. I had no idea. That wasn't deliberate. It's basically a wooden room. And you can hear if I stamp my feet, it's definitely a wooden room. But if I don't shake the building, the acoustics in here are amazing. If I turn a drill on, of course, there's lots of background noises I could introduce. But it's an absolutely fantastic space. And so as an experiment, I'm recording this podcast in my workshop. And who knows if I can find a fancy title for mastering portrait photography from the workshop, then maybe maybe I'll record more of them in here. And if you like the sound, let me know, because it's quite cool. Uh, it's a really nice space and I can record in here pretty much any time of day or night, because inadvertently, by the way we've insulated it, we've also sound killed it. So I can make noise in here more or less 24 hours a day. I'm sure my neighbours would eventually get fed up of the distant sounds the distant sounds of a circular saw. But as long as I'm not cutting anything, I reckon I could do anything I like in here. And it's just become this perfect space as somewhere I can make things. I've, I've, I've always wanted to be able to make our own things like posing boxes and studio flats for our photography. And now I have this facility in which I can do it. And frankly, it's an amazing space and it sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, before I get any further in this podcast, I have to say thank you to Panasonic Eneloop Batteries who have sponsored a few episodes for us. And as you know, one of the many challenges of being a photographer, and let's face it, there are numerous, is our constant reliance on batteries. We've got batteries in cameras, in flash guns, in triggers, even keyboards and mice. And even the little audio recorder I'm using to create this very podcast has a bank of eight AA batteries sitting right inside. Around 40 billion, yep, that is billion with a B, batteries are consumed globally each and every year. And even if just a proportion of those were changed to be rechargeable, well, we could all collectively make a massive impact on the environment. 
Here at the studio, we have switched to rechargeable batteries at every available opportunity, but these Panasonic Eneloop Pro batteries are on another level. Firstly, they hold their charge for ages. 85% of the charge remains even after 12 months. 85%. So this means in practicality, I don't have to charge them if I haven't used them. They can sit in my bag for weeks and I know they're still going to have plenty of charge. And not only do they hold onto their charge, there's quite a lot of it too. Two and a half thousand milliamp hours to be precise. So when they are being used, they do keep you in flashes or in this instance, recorded minutes for a very long time. And when coupled with the brilliant rapid charger that features single battery charging and conditioning and the ability to use it as a completely standalone USB power bank, well, the feature list is pretty much complete. And yes, this is an ad for Panasonic Eneloop batteries, but I've been so impressed with them that I independently ordered a whole bunch more for the studio at our own expense. And you can't really say much better than that. Anyway, on to the episode. So uh, what's happened in the past couple of weeks other than me managing to clear enough space and tidy a workshop sufficient that I can stand in here with a microphone without worrying there's going to be dust everywhere. Uh, we had a royalty statement for the Mastering Portrait Photography book. I'm hoping all my listeners have ordered it by now. If you haven't, why not? Go out and order it. It's not very expensive. Uh, if you order it on Amazon, I think it's about £15 in the UK. I haven't looked it up around the world, but that's broadly speaking how much they sell it for. If you order it from us here in the UK, I think we charge you 19.95, but I write you a little message inside. So that's clearly, clearly worth the extra money. That's Mastering Portrait Photography. And the royalty statement is one of the biggest we've ever had, which was a little bit of a surprise given the book has been out there now for about six years. It was published in 2014. And I had always assumed that its sales would diminish, but it appears that its worldwide sales are going up. So to the people now have become our friends in New Zealand, in Australia, Italy, the US, the UK, Germany, France, well, thank you very much for buying it. It has been lovely as the work has started to change and things have started to open up. And I was back photographing the Barclays Bank AGM last week, which was just great fun. Uh, I don't particularly, I can't say that photographing AGMs is my thing, but it's still about people. It's photographing the board of directors, while they're making their presentations, it's photographing mostly people behind the scenes. The people who are controlling the cameras and the mixing desks and the video streams and the phones and all of those things and all the characters. So in the end, it's really just location portrait photography, uh, but absolutely brilliant thing to do. Although the text I had from my client that described how to get in to the Barclays Bank headquarters in the heart of uh, London was a little bit like, you know, those old text-based adventure games and I, there's a line in it that made me laugh and it said go through two sets of clear glass doors and before you get to the last set of clear glass doors on your right you should see a door go through it when you get there present your identity and on it went and it was just brilliant because it was like oh have I got to the last glass door how do I know it's the last glass door until I've gone through it and discovered there are no more glass doors. <laughs> I just, it was great. Uh, but it was really lovely to be working with a client. I've uh, been around. He's an old friend of mine from university, but he's also now a client, has been a client for the past decade. was just lovely uh, to be there. Uh, an update on the mirrorless adventure. For those of you considering going to mirrorless, I'm neither persuading you one way or another. I'm simply telling you uh, the things that we've discovered. Now, I think I said uh, the other week that I'd had a problem with a lens. 
I checked the lenses that I was using. So although I, was, I bought a Z, little Z7 Mark II, I was still using my existing 70 to 200 on the front of it with the adapter. The problem was I was getting some soft pictures, and when eventually I bought some software to calibrate it, it showed some errors. I checked my spare lens, and that had failed completely during lockdown. So I now have two lenses I can't use and a new camera. <laughs> so we bit the bullet and bought the 70 to 200 f2.8 Z series, the Nikon Z series lens. And this thing is unreal. <laughs> it's so sharp. It's razor, razor sharp. Uh, it's really nicely balanced. It's a lot fatter and slightly shorter than my old 70 to 200s because, of course, the physics of the front of a Z series mirrorless camera, they've made the barrel or they made the, the throat of the lens much fatter so they can do clever things with that. They can certainly have, for instance, a much wider aperture. Not that that's necessarily something that's happening here. Uh, but the motors on this thing are blindingly quick. They're incredibly quiet. And the uh, vibration reduction is brilliant. But none of that really matters. What I've been so impressed with is how sharp it is. And you really can tell. You know, I hold on to my lenses. My favourite lens is a lens that was designed in about 1970, I think. It's a 105 f2. It's an old school lens. It's so ridiculously basic as to be untrue. And yet the images we get off it are amazing. So it's not that I think necessarily new lenses are better, but in this instance, it is. <laughs> so I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, another thing that's happened is I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Forgive me if I'm repeating is the uh, 105. I had expected that I'd have to retire a lot of lenses because the new body does not have the ability to drive the motors, the focusing screw on them. And in fact, it might yet prove to be the other way around because the focus peaking that you get through the electronic viewfinder, through the EVF, is so damned accurate. You really can see exactly when something's in focus. Now, I can switch all the lenses to manual focus and still use them. So where I thought I was going to have to retire lenses, in fact, they may just have another lease of life. I may actually use them more. So those are some of the upsides. On the downsides, well, there's a lot of menus. <laughs> now, I don't think this is specific to mirrorless cameras that suddenly I'm having to chase my way down lots of menus. I think it's because this camera, although it's a pro camera, is not like my D5 or my D4 or my D3 or even my D2. It's not. It doesn't have that sense of everything's available on a button. Everything a working pro photographer would want is on a single button press. It's you have to you can set menus up so you can control menus of menus. In fact, I think there's one point you can control a menu of menu of menus. And that's fine. But I still have to hit a button, bring up a menu, go straight to the command I want and then change it. And even something as simple as flicking a switch on the front that changed it from uh, manual focus to continuous focus or from spot metering to overall frame metering. Now I have to go and chase it down in a menu. And the biggest things that cause me grief are things like switching from multi-shot to single shot firing. Now, also, I will, I will caveat this conversation with the fact that I know there are custom on the dial on the top. I've got three custom setups and I haven't yet figured out how to make the transition to using those really smooth because you have to set everything up really precisely. So when you change that button, um, everything's exactly as you want it. 
And I just haven't quite got there yet, and I will. So I'll keep you updated on that. But right now, the multitude of menus is slowing me down, as is the need to constantly change the batteries. Now, I've finally got hold of the vertical grip, the second battery holder that, that bolts onto the bottom. And that's made a huge difference. So now the camera is carrying two batteries in it. But I shot today between 10 a.m. and to 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and I'd pretty much roasted two batteries completely, which is quite a lot given that when I'm shooting a wedding on my D5, I can just use one battery more or less all day. I won't. I'll change it mid-afternoon or late afternoon just so I've got a fresh battery in there. But it's those tiny little things. But one thing that I absolutely love is the image review. Because you've got an electronic viewfinder in the mirrorless camera, I can hit play and keep my eye pressed to the EVF as opposed to looking on the back screen. And there's a couple of things that are really good about that. Firstly, the EVF has the focusing control, has a focus on it that allows me to set it for my eyes. And as someone who wears glasses these days, um, that's really important because I can set the EVF to be razor sharp when I've got my eye pressed to it. So when I'm reviewing an image, it's razor sharp and I can punch the magnification in until I can see it so clearly I know that the image is razor sharp. I can also bring up the menus while I've got my eye pressed to it. So I don't have to come off the camera, move away from the, from the viewfinder to make changes to the menus. It's just, I just hit the right button as long as I can feel where the right button is and I'm still working out which buttons to program to do what. But as long as I can feel my way around and I can bring up the menu in the viewfinder and change a setting. And the third thing is I can review an image without the client knowing and reviewing the image. <laughs> I can say what I like. What I'm doing is looking to see whether that I've made a really good shot of them or not. I don't have to say that, though. I can say I'm just checking everything. And I'm actually, what I'm doing is working around the frame, making sure I understand what the light is doing, let's say, on someone's face or on their figure. So it's really, really cool, and I really do love that in particular. And I think that is one of the biggest step-ups for me, going from a DSLR, a fully pro D5 DSLR, downgraded a little bit in the sense that I've gone to a semi, well, it's not a semi-pro. I mean, sure, Nikon call it a pro camera. But for a working pro, it is a little bit of a step down. But the new features that mirrorless give you are absolutely amazing. So I'm still loving it. I'm still getting my head around it. It's going to be a long, long process. Though I do have to, do, I do have to say today, in the tradition of all of my Nikon cameras, it died. <laughs> it just stopped. Uh, locked up. The green light was right into the memory card. Everything stopped. Nothing working. Had to take all the batteries out and... Uh, reset, which is frustrating, but it's something I'm so used to that it <laughs> didn't really surprise me. It's always happened with my Nikon cameras, and I think it's to do with memory cards. I'm not sure it's necessarily Nikon's fault. I think it was writing to one of the memory cards and it glitched. Um, but Nikon never seemed to write proper error handling around it. They just let the camera and it stops. <laughs> That's that. That's no use to me. Come on, Nikon, get yourself together. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, the other day I took the day off, simply took the day off. And it was doing that day off while I was hanging shelves here in the workshop that I discovered how nice it sounds. It's so nice just to do something practical. Uh, I've been making shelving and brackets for my tools using a thing called the French cleat system, uh, which is really clever. I found it on YouTube and it's just a way of putting wooden, uh, angled wooden brackets all the way along a wall. And then you have corresponding angled wooden cleats um, on the back of shelves or on the back of panels and I can just hang everything up and if I could get photographs to actually go up onto iTunes 
then I would show you, but you can't. Uh, so I might include a few in the show notes on the masteringportraitphotography.com website if anyone's curious. Um, uh, but I know that you can't do that widely. And much, to, much to my chagrin, I didn't know that for a while. I was putting pictures into the show notes, and then as soon as you looked on iTunes, they were all missing because they don't like that kind of thing over there. Uh, but I'm now designing posing boxes and all sorts of bits and pieces for the studio, which is great because I've needed to do that for a while, but I haven't really had the space both mentally and actually the actual space. And also you need very accurate cuts uh, to make, if you're going to make boxes, so everything lines up perfectly. And I'm a real stickler uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, what else? Uh, I've had my second vaccine. <laughs> I, had, I, I, I feel the biggest symptom I've had, it was that I had the Pfizer vaccine. Sarah, my wife, has had the AstraZeneca vaccine neither of us have had any major symptoms except that my arm felt like somebody had hit me uh, but I think that's more to do with the way the needle went in as opposed to anything to do with the vaccine and the only other real symptom is that I'm just feeling quietly pleased with myself <laughs> it's, it feels like gradually we're heading towards the end of this thing at least here in the UK uh, so we shall see uh, today hearing dogs so it was at the hearing dogs actually that my camera died uh, mid-shoot, it just stopped. Uh, but it's been a really, really lovely day. Much longer shoot than uh, normally I would do down there. With the weather, we had to dance in and out of, I'm going to say the showers. They weren't showers. It was just pouring <laughs> with rain. Uh, I've lain in wet grass. I've lain on a tarpaulin. I've been underneath a gazebo. We've had to do some stuff indoors because we just simply couldn't get outdoors. Uh, but actually, the pictures have uh, turned out pretty well. Uh, I'm loving it down there just at the moment. We're experimenting with lots of things, trying out new ideas, uh, which is really, really, really cool. Uh, last night, I presented to the Women's Institute of Wantage, I think. Was it Wantage? can't remember what region it was. Anyway, it was the Women's Institute, and of course, it was a Zoom call. And in the middle of that, the bloody camera died as well. <laughs> I'm having a lot of look. In fact, I don't think it was the camera. I think it was Nikon's. They have like a webcam utility, which allows me to plug the camera in as a webcam. Simple thing. Not difficult to do. Pretty much everybody's doing it. Uh, Nikon's is distinctly flaky, at least on Apple, Mac, Big Sur. So uh, try, if anyone knows why that should happen, I had to reset it three or four times, and in the end, it wouldn't reset. So luckily, I had the audio on uh, this mixer that was plugged in so they could still hear me and they could still see the presentation. Uh, but I had frozen on the screen. And of course, you know what it's like. This never happens right now. Of course, the, of course, those of you who know me know I look exactly like, I don't know, Robert Redford, maybe Richard Gere. Maybe, you know, I'm not that tall, so maybe Tom Cruise. I don't you, use whatever name you like. I think I look like any any Hollywood movie star. But the minute the camera stops mid-flow, why does it always pick the moment where you look like a prized dick? Do you know what I mean? If you, if you freeze frame a, a true Hollywood actor, they always look amazing. You free, freeze frame me, what a moron. I'm always pulling some weird expression or my eyes, I'm half closed like I'm, you know, consuming some kind of drug. Uh, the whole thing is just awful. And so, uh, bless them, the Women's Institute uh, had to look at a picture of me looking half stoned, frozen in time uh, while listening to my voice do this presentation. Uh, but it was really lovely. What was really lovely about it is that a few of them uh, said at the end, it just felt really energetic and really positive. And at the end of the day, part of uh, all of our roles as professional photographers, and even if you're not a professional photographer, part of your role as a photographer is to give joy, happiness. I mean, there's not many other pur purposes to it. 
Um, it doesn't save someone's life. It doesn't make buildings. It doesn't, you know, what we do, <laughs> what we do is capture moments in time and hope that other people really enjoy them. And if you run a business off the back of that, you hope that people enjoy them enough to buy them. Uh, so it's really nice at the end of this that uh, everyone seems to have had a good time in spite of me looking decidedly dodgy in the frozen uh, display. Uh, the other thing that happened this week, it was the Regional Master Photographers Association Awards. And I've done all right this year. It's been pretty good. Uh, I think I won 18 merits, uh, a handful of finalists and six overall category titles, which is really nice, uh, including, and of course, these are the ones I'm most proud of, uh, the Portrait Photographer of the Year and the Overall Photographer of the Year. And it's kind of that I wanted to talk about a little bit in that I think a few people I've spoken to have talked about being afraid of entering competitions. And I suppose what I wanted to say is that you're right. It's scary. And I get scared too. And I don't know. I can't I can't speak on the behalf of other photographers, but I've always been terrified with competitions. Um particularly those where there's a critique, because you're going to have a judge who's going to talk about your images and spot all the things that you failed to judge. And of course, the obvious question is, I'm someone who judges. So as a judge, why isn't it that judges win everything? Because they don't. And the answer is, when it's your own images, you don't see it the way a judge sees it. You don't see the things. It's impossible. It, it, the experience of creating the image is so ingrained in you, you can't see it. And so I find it terrifying that firstly, I've, I still have imposter syndrome anyway. I'm still, even after all these years, I still can't believe I'm here in the position that I am with, you know, podcasts and books and the websites and things that we've created. I still can't believe it's happened. And so it's slightly weird that when you enter something, and I find it really scary. And Panikos Hostili, Hostili, who's the judge, is an absolute gentleman. He is one of the nicest guys in the industry. And he is also incredibly technical. He is a very subtle, very detailed photographer. And I knew he was judging. And I knew in advance, don't put something loose and woolly in because he is probably not a judge who's going to that's going to resonate with. Now, I know judging is meant to be objective, but the reality is it's not. Each judge, when you listen to a panel of judges, there's always going to be a variety of scores and a variety of opinions. When there's one judge, you don't have the luxury of counterpoint between the very technical judges and, let's say, the very um, emotion-based judges or maybe those that are into the aesthetic of colour or maybe those that love the form and the posing. This is all one guy. And Panikos is one of the nicest people in the world and also one of, uh, just a simply beautiful photographer. Um, but long, as, of course, I knew, even though he's all of those things, as we were going through, as he was going through the judging and my images came up, of course, I sat there and, and sort of ducked as he went through it. So some of the things he noticed in my images are things like uh, he would have liked to have seen the whites of the eyes on both sides of the pupil. Uh, a couple of bits of people's bodies were a little bit too bright. So if you light someone uh, with a light over the top of the camera, you always run the risk of the chest area becoming brighter, becoming the brightest area in an image. And that's not the area you want. Now, you can tone that down in Photoshop, but I never saw it. 
I just didn't because for me, I was always looking at the subject's face. I photographed her face or those two shots that the same critic criticism came up. And I was always looking at her face and it didn't occur to me. It just didn't occur. To, and I'm a judge. I, I would have seen this on somebody else's image, but I did not see it on mine. Uh, Colour casts came up a lot, dappled lights. So as an image of mine that was shot through, it was a direct sunlight through an old window. And of course you get that rippling in the light, which I loved and he hated. I <laughs> should have known that. He was never going to like that. Uh, some bits about cropping. And at the end of this, you go through it. And of course there's that knee jerk reaction in your head. Well, he's wrong. <laughs> of course we all think that yeah he's wrong i don't agree with him but you go away and you think about it and you actually look at the image and of course he's right it's just you haven't seen it now you, you can make a decision to ignore what's coming through in uh, a judged critique or cri uh, judging critique that's your shout it's your photo it's your taste but beware of doing that because of course you can learn things from the critique and one key thing about images, and I listened not just to him critiquing my images, but every other image in the competition, is, and this is, this is something that's a truism, and it's something that we talk about as judges. If you can't get the story across as a photographer, it's not the judge's fault. It's yours, the photographer. So if there are things are, are being said in a critique and you're shaking your head and saying, no, that's just not, no, no, of course I didn't do that. It's not the judge's fault. It's your job as the photographer to get your point across and to get the story across the way you want it to. And you are doing it in an X by Y grid of pixels, coloured dots. You, most image competitions don't have a written, a, a written piece to go with it. So you have no opportunity to explain. All you can do is put a picture in front of someone and hope that they get the same reaction or at least a reaction that's the sort of what you were hoping, something visceral, something that resonates with them, something that connects with them. But it's still your job. If it doesn't happen, it's not the judge's problem. Uh, and so, you know, and we did very well. But one thing I was, you know, I had to take away is, as I'm going to have to go and up my game uh, was the uh, pets category, which for me is fundamentally dogs. And we had a couple in there and I was, you know, reasonably hopeful. I thought they'd do all right. They got merits, which is OK. But I knew when they were going through and um, I'm looking at stunning images from a handful of photographers. There were three in particular, Kinso, Adrian Bullers and Suke. So to you three photographers, I sat there and I watched in awe as your pictures came up. And I knew that at least in this category, I was going to have to do some work. Uh, so I've taken that away. <laughs> it's not a category, really. I always laugh and say I don't really shoot dogs, but of course I do. Um, as because I work with the hearing dogs every week. So it's important that not only do I shoot them, but I shoot at the very top of my game because they use my images as the foundation, the founding stones of their charitable fundraising. And so I've taken it away, you know, taken that one. Yes, OK. You know, I could see it. The, the, the images from Kinso, Adrian and Suke were just glorious. And while I think mine were all right, and on a different day with a different judge, I may have done a little bit better. But I have taken a note to self to go away and up my game. And that's the thing. That's the thing. You only learn something like that by getting in there and entering. And yes, all right, it's frustrating. And in my case, terrifying, because I, I honestly, I just get scared. But the images are critiqued anonymously. Your name is only ever released... If you win something, 
So what is there to lose other than, you know, a little bit of, oh, as I sit there and listen to the, the things that a judge has picked up on that I never even noticed. And it's, it's, it's an awful feeling. You know, your heart sinks into your boots. Of course it does. And it happens to all of us. But if you don't enter, how can you learn? If you don't enter, how can you win? Um, of course, you do want to enter competitions that have a critique. If you want to learn something, enter a competition that has a critique. Those are the most important because you'll get some feedback. You'll get to learn something. You'll get to push yourself because you will spend time, additional time over and above the job of doing what we do. You'll spend extra time finishing those images to a much higher standard. But nonetheless, really the value is in the critique. Oh, and I, I, well, I say that, of course. <laughs> My wife, who's the marketeer, she's finding a whole load of value out of the awards themselves. Um, but so while I'm chuffed and I have to be honest, surprised to win the overall prize, there was so much to learn from Panacost. And that is true every time I judge as well. Listening to the other judges, even though they might be critiquing someone else's image, is always a pleasure. And there is always, always something to learn. So get out there and give it a go. That's what I would say to you. If you're nervous about competitions, find competitions where you can enter anonymously and there's going to be a critique, whether it's with a photographic association, whether it's with your local camera club, enter and have a go. Because if you don't, uh, how on earth will you ever improve? And on that happy note, uh, I hope you're well. I hope the weather's better where you are than where it is where I am. I hope the sound in this podcast has come out all right. I really hope that yeah, the acoustics sound as good recorded as they do to me. And here, listen to this. That's me clicking my fingers. How dead is that? It's brilliant. It really is like a little sound booth, a little vocal recording booth. Who needed tools in here? Who knew? Uh, so uh, please do. If you've enjoyed this podcast, a big thank you to Panasonic and Loop Batteries for this episode. Um, thank you for sponsoring it. Uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do head over to uh, wherever you consume your podcast and subscribe. Uh, and then magically, magically, the podcast will appear on your device whenever there's a new episode published uh, if you've enjoyed it also why not leave us a review the best place for that is on itunes or on the google player please head over there uh, give us a rating give us some feedback if the feedback's nice anyway if the feedback's rubbish as always email me you can get hold of me at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk that's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk and until next time remember whatever else be kind to yourself Take care.